Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's episode is recorded at ATX Television Festival. This year's fest is June 9th through 12th, and you should be there. They've already announced really cool stuff like an Everybody Loves Raymond reunion, Terriers, The Shield, uh, with a bunch of writers from that show. They've got Norman Lear. They've got Hart Hansen. Come on out. Go to atxfestival.com. Get your badge June 9th through 12th and come say hello. creator of Justified. Daniel Lipman and Ron Cohen, the creators of Queer's Folk, and Marta Kaufman, the creator of Friends. So you, guys are, you guys are here. Uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you all coming out and spending an hour to hear me talk about my dog. It means a lot to me. <laughs> No, we're here to talk about um, we're here to talk about finales, and one of oh, the th- that's what this, that's what this yeah. is, yeah. Oh, unless you want to talk about my dog, I, he's adorable. We'll talk he, about your dog. He would love that. Um, what I love about this panel in particular is I couldn't think of three different shows to have uh, to have on here: uh, Queer Spoke and Friends and Justified. And I just um, and I've watched all three finales back to back actually a couple days ago and um, I'm going to just di- I want to just dive in. Um, one thing that struck me about each of them is that they all contained callbacks. Um, there's the Friends finale for example that you have the airport run that Ross does. There's the a chicken a duck. Um, there's a phalange. Uh, with Queer as Folks you have flashbacks of, um, of the literal flashbacks of um, when the character Brian and Justin have sex for the first time and Mel and Lynn fighting and then for Justified you have a couple of little other subtle flashbacks about um, um, Raylan and Winona's exchange is sort of echoed in the pilot and um, Graham I'll start with you like does a flashback make a good finale or is it just something you throw in for fun I, there, there was a point where I thought that the finale was nothing but callbacks I mean it was just <laughs> sort of weaving from one to another um, I sort of felt like it, it was just something that we wanted to do because we were bringing a story to a close. And in particular, in, in Justified, we decided that the final season would sort of try to bring all the characters back to where they started and see what had changed. And so, yeah, we just kept on finding quotes from previous episodes, and we just went for it. Marta, how about you? Um, I don't think we we thought about specifically what we wanted to return to as much as it was a culmination of 10 years and there were elements of the characters that we wanted to make sure we saw in the finale. Um, But part of the difference is our finale was about life is about to move on. So we needed a little bit, we needed the touchstone of what it was before we move on which is why I think a lot of that stuff was in there. And Ron, how about you guys? Well, I just wanted to say we, we were very, very fortunate in our career. We had another series called Sisters. Yes. And uh, we were on both occasions, both series, we were able to bring it to the conclusion that we wanted. It, the network didn't cancel it. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're talking to the cast and crew and saying, after lunch, you know, forget it. So we were very lucky to, to, to do that. And I think that we always thought of our shows, especially dr- dramatic shows, uh, as a novel. And you had to over. You have to. There, 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 there's an overview over uh, X amount of seasons, and you want it to come to to a conclusion. I think uh, addressing um, what you what you mentioned about Brian and Justin, that um, we did have um, a sort of a f- flashback in, a, in an unusual way. I think um, there was a lovemaking scene between the two of them, and the uh, director Kelly Macon did this rather. I thought very imaginative thing that the flashbacks were over their bodies 
and it was uh, their memories of all the different times um, that they had been together. So you saw it actually on their bodies, which I thought was really beautiful. It was like sex on top of sex, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sex well, a la mode. Right. Part of it is that you want a feeling at, at the end of your finale of closure. Exactly. And so what makes a good finale to you? Who the hell knows? <laughs> I, you know, the show dictates it. I, I don't think there's one answer to that. The show tells you what the finale should be, um, and hopefully you find it and get it right. It's there. It's kind of like you just have to... I don't think there are rules. There's no formula for the perfect finale. You just have to know that you've come a long way and that wherever it lands needs to be satisfying. I, I think if I can add, I think the characters dictate it. And I think that whenever we've uh, done our shows, uh, we've always, uh, we've never done what they're called Bibles or uh, this is what the last episode's going to be. We always try to follow the characters and, and, and they lead us. And sometimes, and I'm uh, the same experience, uh, we would think of a story and uh, as we are letting the characters lead us, it turned out it was not that character story that we wanted to tell. It was another character. So you really have to do that. And that's, I totally agree with to, You have to listen to your characters telling you what to do rather than stuffing words in their mouth. They're making them do, they're not your puppets and you don't move them around. You, well, you have to listen to I, them. I actually want to ask all of you this. Um, I was struck in rewatching the Queers uh, folk finale, um, for example, that in a show that felt like it started out being about Michael, it ended up being about Brian and Brian was the one who was very much featured in the last scene. Was that... Um, Again, were you following the characters, or is that um, something that something that you haven't, haven't even thought about? Well, we got off to a rather unusual start um, because it was an adaptation of a British show, and Showtime's um, marching orders to us were: we paid for this show, this British show, so you have to use it. So, fortunately, there were only six or eight episodes of the British show, which we used up pretty quickly because we did five seasons and 83 shows but at the beginning we were kind of being very loyal to the to the british show and to russell davies who created it so we were sort of doing the american version at the beginning and then we started doing our own show and in doing that we realized that the that the the relationships were quite different as were the characters in the british show and in our version things changed so yes what you saw at the end was more what we were doing, what we was our show. At the beginning, we were sort of doing the American version of the British. And the show. original British show was really about I'm three sorry, characters, and we made it more of an ensemble piece. And I think all the characters began to grow, became more of an ensemble. Uh, Graham, how about you? Can you remind first the audience a little bit about the Justified finale? And um, was it something? Really, it's been that long. It's ago. been. It's been like. <laughs> Three years, seven years. I'm teasing. Been two months. <laughs> I'm teasing. Not even. Um, well, the big thing for us was coming back to the fact that we were adapting an Elmore Leonard story and doing a, a show that was trying to be true to Elmore Leonard's uh, way of writing and his characters and story. So that really became the thing that we, you know, felt we had to land on for our finale was basically what would Elmore do? I'm still, I'm the, I gave these out in the season one, it says WWED, um, which is not sort of world wildlife erectile dysfunction. <laughs> what would Elmore do? And, um, yeah, save the pandas. But anyway, it was... Um, save the pandas erections. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Elmore would end his novels in a certain way, so we tried to aim for that at least. I don't know if we did it perfectly, I don't think, you know, you can, but um, that became our marching orders internally. I, I, I want to add something else to it, and, and I'm not sure if you all felt this and what you did, but one of the things for us on Friends, the heart of the show, it was a show about um, that time of your life when your friends are your family. And then you get to a point in the show, 10 years later, and they're having their own families, the show's over. It's done. They are now into a new phase of your life. And part of making a successful finale is knowing when to stop and not overshooting. With Friends, there were certainly other circumstances going on at the time, certainly with the Joey spinoff. And um, there were seasons where there were cast negotiations going on. Did well, you... the Joey spinoff was a, a later thing that I had nothing to do with. So oh, no, no, that I was know. after. No, 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 of course. <laughs> 
no, of course. But was um, but you must have heard. It did it affect the way you wrote Joey in the Absolutely finale? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No, because it happened after. And were there, we had been saying we're not, we wouldn't do it, and then somebody else said they would. And were there times, um, sort of during the cast negotiations, where you thought, oh, season eight or season nine is going to be the last season? Yes, and, season eight and season nine. Yeah. And um, <laughs> how did how did you how did you prepare for that? What were the last episodes of those seasons? It was horrid. It was horrid. And and the truth is. Everybody knew it wasn't over. I mean, we, we had some fire drills, um, but no one believed it was over. So we got another season. And then again, we weren't, wasn't quite over until Monica and Chandler had their children, got their twins. And that's when we went, you know, now, now it's over. I want to talk and, to- and luckily the network got that and, and bled money out their ears. <laughs> I want to ask you about the last scene in particular. Um, what was was there debate in terms of giving Chandler the last line and having the last scene be sort of the, of the apartment, which was sort of the seventh friend in the series? Um, we knew we wanted to have them move out of that apartment and leave that empty space because every time I thought about it, I got teary. So we thought, oh yeah, that would work. <laughs> um, we knew that would be an, an emotionally Im- compelling image. Um, and then we knew you have to undercut it with the joke. <laughs> you just have to. Um, it's a comedy. You have to undercut it. So we, we knew that was a safe place to go. How about you guys? Were there other endings that you considered? Well, I just wanted to say uh, I agree with Marta. You have to know when to stop. And I think good shows know when it's time to go. Um, uh, and our show, actually, similarly to, to Friends, in terms of uh, Friends being your family, uh, the the original premise of it was... Uh, of course, we had two the two lesbian characters, but but uh, generally, uh, boys becoming men, and as soon as the boys became men, and they had their own um, uh, lives separately because they were bonded like the friends were, um, we knew that we had to you know we, we had to stop it. Uh, did we have to answer? Can I just say, but, yeah, before you, I just want to say that we're all saying exactly the same thing that there is something at the center of your show, mm-hmm. and when you realize what that is and you live truthfully by that. It tells you when it's over and how to do it. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was the, the centrality of the Raylan and Boyd relationship. I know it's been a long time since the finale, <laughs> but, um, we had to, uh, we, our, our feeling was, and we, we've talked about this, is just, you know, when do you run out of story? And we just felt like we could only sustain that relationship so long before, you know, Boyd had, either had to die or go away to prison for good. And so, you know, we felt that six years was, was enough. I and mean, they wanted seven, but it's in the new cable world where we were going to shoot an extra long fifth season and then divide that into two slightly shorter and seasons. And also I want to say the, killed the actor, actors change. You know, actors grow. They get older, a little older. So what seems, you know, adorable and precious to begin with, uh, after, you know, five, six, seven, ten years, you say, you know, they're no longer, you know, 21. Uh, a middle-aged know, Urkel we know, we know. doesn't change. <laughs> We, we never change. Uh, Graham, had you, was there ever any consideration of killing off one of your main three characters? There was always consideration, especially when they gave us notes. Um, <laughs> I know he's on the poster. I know his name is above the title, but Raylan's got to die. Um, no. Um, yeah, we, 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 we would go through the exercise of just because we tried to, you know, explore every possibility. So we would talk, well, do we want to kill off Raylan? And it was like, well, Elmore would never have done that. Mm. Um, what about Boyd? And it's like, well, he certainly, it would be justified. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but then it was, it really came down to, well, the story's about Raylan going home. Now he's finally going to leave Harlan for the last time, theoretically. Um, if he hasn't had any growth, if he ends up just killing Boyd, then nothing has happened in the series. Then there's been no point to the series. So we decided that Boyd would live, and we never considered killing Ava. Don't go anywhere. Coverage from the ATX Television Festival in Austin, Texas, continues next. Only on Entertainment Weekly Radio. exclusive backstage pass to the ATX Television Festival. From exclusive interviews with the casts and creators of some of your favorite TV shows. To panels and reunions like this one. Direct from Austin, Texas. I want to go around the panel and ask, um, was there anything left on the cutting room floor for the finale that you wish had been put in? 
I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think it was all used. Um, every single person I ever knew was somewhere waiting at an airport or in the coffee house as extras. Every, my lawyer, my agent, uh, family members, uh, da- David's partner, I mean, kids that we, everybody, everybody was in them. So the only way I know that some stuff was cut out is family members going, I can't believe you cut me out. You know, if, I, if, I, if there was something cut out of the, of the finale, which is, I just remembered, uh, we had introduced a character, uh, if you know the show, um, who was, um, uh, Brian was the, uh, was the king of Babylon, whatever, and he was getting a little long in the tooth, and we introduced someone who was going to be, sort of take over, and there was a, a, another character that resembled Justin, another character resembled Brian, and at the end, you saw that these two people, it was going to continue, this life was going to continue, and for some reason, that was taken out, remember? Yeah, the, the reason was we didn't like it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't... <laughs> All right. That's a good reason. That's a good reason. Graham, how about you? Um... You know, I can't remember anything that we actually shot in the finale. There would be little scenes here and there. It's just that that's not going to fly. And, you know, the the landscape has changed such that FX no longer cared how long the episode was, as long as it was relatively on budget. So because of the secondary market is now, you know, Amazon Prime and Netflix, so it doesn't matter. So we would cut things just because they were slowing the story down or, you know, just didn't work. Um, and that actually bringing up Amazon and Netflix is sort of interesting to me, and I imagine this has been more of a consideration for you than shows that have ended um, previously, which is nailing the finale is even more important than ever because of the legacy of the show, and you want people to binge, and you want people to rediscover it. And how much of that was weighing on you as you were um, crafting the finale? Um, I, You know, it really wasn't. I'm sorry. I, You're like, I, screw I, you, I, fans, I now. Yeah, screw you, fans. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for all your support. Um, no, it was uh, all of that, all of the, you know, the talk of the, the pressure of the finale. I honestly only really thought about it when people would ask the question, and I would say, thank you, I am now scared shitless. You know? But um, the actual doing of it was just trying to make the story work. Um, and... I, I think ultimately the experience of binging it or watching it week by week, you know, I hopefully with Justified it'll be the, roughly the same experience. Um, I, I understand the terror. When, when the last two weeks that we were writing that, I literally knitted 14 hats. <laughs> I was so anxious about it and about getting it right because it does, it does and, and it had nothing to do with its afterlife, um, it was more, after 10 years, you want to get this one really right. All, it, it, partly because of the scrutiny, but partly because we're saying goodbye to. And, and there is a kind of, um, you want to express your love for these characters and the mourning. Um, so, so you want to get it right. Was there ever any scenario kicked about where that Ross and Rachel would not end up together? For about four seconds. I mean, you, you, that would have been dumb. The first episode, we see that he loves her. And we tried to keep them apart as much as possible. I was t- saying earlier, literally, my rabbi would stop me in the parking lot and say, when are you going to get them together? Was your rabbi an extra in the final episode? <laughs> No, but in the next to last episode, I did mention his name um. as, as one of the people. But actually, just a quick aside story. I very, 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 the person who I went to college with, and, and he actually performed my wedding, um, we did an episode where we'd say that Monica slept with Billy Dreskin, was his name? He, that poor guy. <laughs> His entire congregation called him. <laughs> this is a rabbi who's been just, you know, sort of outed as being a sexual human being, and it was not pretty. Um, were there any other scenarios that you guys considered um, to end the series? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Come on. Give us a, give us a taste of one uh, or two. No, it, there was one storyline that could have gone two different ways, and we 
discussed the ending many times with Brian and Justin, and they told us what they thought would be the appropriate ending for their characters. Yeah. Yeah, our characters. We talk to our characters. Listen, when you work on a show for five years and you're in Toronto... Um, your make-believe characters become far more real than any <laughs> real person in your life because you spend so much time with them that, you know, sitting in a hotel room in the snow in Toronto for eight months a year, you get a little loony. And, yeah, they become very real to you. And so, yeah, we discussed that a lot with them. And the ending we chose, we, we thought was appropriate for the characters. And, and we actually... I, I, Part of the reason we didn't discuss it was talking to the characters. And first of all, they had a baby. They had a baby. That would have been lousy to not keep them together. Um, Graham, what is the secret to writing a good goodbye scene? Oh, yeah, Graham, what's the secret? (laughs) Well, actually, you have to update to Final Draft 9. And there's a key you can press, and it'll write it for you. It's fantastic. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, God, you just try. I, I, I felt that our final episode, we had some bumps. There were some parts of it that we really struggled with. The last 15, 20 minutes or so really played kind of as, as written, although there were a lot of ideas that, that went into it, and the actors had ideas, and other producers had ideas, and, and um, you know we listened to them all, um, included some of them. And it, it just sort of, there was a, a certain thing with the show where you just had to have faith. And I think that with all shows, you have to have faith, which mm-hmm. is if you've got the right cast, you've got the right writers, you've got the right directors, in our case, you know, and got the right um, network, um, you just kind of, you know, just do your best and it'll kind of work out. And so we worked very hard, but there was this sense of it just kind of falling into place. Oh, we'll go here now. We'll go here. This is how we'll end it. Um, the final lines of the series uh, were su- suggested by Walton. He said he had a different context for it, but said, why don't we go back to the Doug Cole together line? And, I, and it was just, you know, it was not, I, I didn't debate it. I thought, oh, God, yeah, that's it. That's how we end. Yeah, I was going to say, I think one of the things that happens is you know when it's right. You know, you get, you get, you know, a chill up your spine or a tear in your eye, and you know when it's right. You do. You don't always know when it's wrong, but you absolutely know when it's right, and you work really hard for it to feel right. But I also have to say, there's no secret to any of this. There's no formula. There's no one answer. It changes with every show. And, and I know did, you guys do it with the characters. For me, it's mm-hmm. the tone of the show will tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, the Elmore Leonard tone. You know what you want. There's a tone. And you have to land in that place. Also, I was going to say, by, by, that, by the time you'd fortunate enough and blessed enough to have a series that goes on for years. That gets um, an actual finale. Ex- finale. You are so entrenched, I mean, as, as, as a writer in the world with the characters that you, you, it does feel right. I mean, it would be difficult to write the finale as the first episode, you know. But by the time you get there, mm-hmm. it, it, it leads you. Don't go anywhere. Coverage from the ATX Television Festival in Austin, Texas, continues next. Only on Entertainment Weekly Radio. Entertainment Weekly Radio has your exclusive backstage pass to the ATX Television Festival. From exclusive interviews with the cast and creators of some of your favorite TV shows. To panels and reunions like this one. Direct from Austin, Texas. I want to go around the panel and ask, um, as TV fans, what has your favorite finale been? I have two. Okay. No. Well, my favorite finale, I have to say, was the Bob Newhart show. That's one you remember that? Favorite. Yeah. That, I thought that was Me so too. brilliant. And I, and I remember at, at that point, of course, well, I guess the, there were DVR, uh, not DVR, uh, VH, VC, VCRs. Um, but I remember watching it. And now, you, of course, you can record it and watch it whenever you want. But we, we watched it when it was on air. And that moment was so brilliant at the end. Just unforgettable. Okay. I'm going to jump in because I got to go to the Creative Arts Emmys. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Joelle and I presented something. Yeah, everyone was looking at me. Anyway, um, so we come to the table after, and it, it's really the rehearsal for the real Emmys, right? So they're rehearsing all the meals right, and all right. the performances oh, and everything. Right. 
But we come to the table, and Bob Newhart had won for his uh, run on uh, Big Bang Theory. And so I look over, and he's coming in, and I said, Mr. Newhart, I decided I'm going to be the guy who's going to help him to his table. Because it's Bob freaking Newhart. And I said, what table are you at? And he said, well, 214. I went, that's my table. And he's sitting. And so I sat next to Bob Newhart. And I had to ask him. I said, so what about the finale of Newhart? I said, did you? I said, whose idea was it? And he pointed, his wife was off getting food. He said it was her idea. She, was, she said, what if, what if you went back to, to uh, the, old, the old bedroom set? of the Bob Newhart show. And, she'll uh, marry me. And, and so, and I said, did you know that it was going to be this landmark event? And he said, no. But they had put a curtain in front of that set uh, on the stage, and they shot it, you know, multi-camera. And uh, he said, when they, when they opened that curtain and showed the set to the, to the audience assembled, they went nuts. And he said, that's when I knew. Yeah. Marta, what's Did I mention that I sat next to Bob Newhart? <laughs> Marta, what's your second? Well, when I had sex with Bob Newhart... <laughs> he told me about that. <laughs> oh, you my God, too? I did, too. <laughs> Gentlemen? You, you, too. You, too? Right. Right. Boy, that Bob Not gets me. around, my God. Um, I thought the ending of Six Feet Under... Yeah was genius. I thought it was genius because what they, I, get, I get chills thinking about it. They started by saying everyone dies. And that's where they ended. Everyone dies. And it, for me, didn't even matter the music and who and how. It was just a full circle. And it landed in such a perfect place. Those are my two favorites. And MASH. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bob Newhart, and the other one uh, that I still remember, and it was so long ago, was the ending of St. Elsewhere. Oh, oh yes. absolutely. And the little boy had the snow globe, and he shook it, and in the snow globe was the hospital. And I thought that was so... Pers- and he, was, well, he was autistic, and that was, the entire series was his, uh, in his... It was just a... Kind a, of like Sound a, and the a, Fury a kind of thing. Um, uh, it was just yeah. so yeah. profound as to where, where do we all live, and what is our reality, and whose imagination are we all living in, and what, what, just like what is reality. And, I mean, I'm just It was so like the end of Men in Black. Fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the little world. <laughs> It, it, it's, it so fascinates me. Um, you were all fortunate enough to have your original, your original cast with you at the finale, um, during these finales, or for you, depending on who you didn't kill off, but that was your, you know, your own choice. Um, do, how do you feel? Do you feel for showrunners who like, have to cobble together a finale when like, three of the regulars have left and um, it becomes a little more of a difficult process? Yes. <laughs> um. I guess it depends on the show. If you look at something like Law and Order um, or, you know, SVU, they've been through so many casts that I don't think it would be the same thing because it's not about them. It's, it's about the procedure. Right. So in those cases, no, that, that isn't an issue. I think if it's a show, and even MASH was able to do it where they changed a few. Um, I think... Shows that are truly character-driven, it would make it extremely difficult to do, but, but I think it's been done. If all of a sudden you only had four friends and you had to write a series... The show would have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I, I feel for every showrunner, having done this twice, once for six years and once for five years, um, because what... I mean, I think it would be interesting to talk about, you know, what we can't hear. It's about the final finale. But a showrunner's life is, is very, very difficult, you, at least in our experience in both shows. We, I don't think we ever had a day off, and we never allowed ourselves a day off. I, I used to say to Dan, it's sort of like turning your car off and then turning the engine back on from cold. You always kind of have to leave it idling even when you're not driving it. Um, it is so... Life-consuming. I, I was once crying to Dan in the middle of Queer's Folk some winter in Toronto, and I said, I, I don't have a life. And he said, this is your life. <laughs> and, he, and he's right, because you really have no other life. And I think that it's so necessary for all showrunners to be kind to one another personally or in the press. Because whether you do a show that's brilliant and wins all kinds of awards, whether you do a show that gets canceled or that you might personally think isn't very good, 
you never try to do a bad show. And you try just as hard each time. Um, and you give it so much of yourself. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But the effort is so um, overwhelming and so life-consuming that I think, you know, to, you know, <laughs> to quote uh, Linda Lohman, you know, respect must be shown. Have you watched your finale since it's aired? You know, I just can't go back that far, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's two months ago. Um, no, I mean, the, the thing is, is that I, I, I don't think I have. I've, I've seen it on the DVRQ and thought about looking at the last bit, but um, I'll wait for that sort of wallowing in, in self-adulation for some other time. Um, but the, um, the thing of it is, uh, you spend so much time in the editing room with it that I saw that last episode right. 20 times. And, you know, it's like I've seen it. And then we had screenings. We took it down to Harlan and screened it to people in Har- for people in Harlan. And then we had a screening in L.A. And it's a little bit of, at, you know, that after that one, I was like, OK, enough. You know, what's your favorite moment from it? Um, you know, it's probably it's probably the last line, you know. Probably the last exchange between Raylan and Boyd. I just get a little choked up thinking about it, which is uh, really kind of sad. My nickname, um, which was started 13 years ago by um, an executive at NBC, Catherine Pope. I don't know if you ever worked. Did you work with Catherine at all? She called me Weepy McWeepster. Um, (laughs) May I call you that? Yeah, anyone can call me that. And uh, so that last week on set, I was a wreck. And it was pretty funny. And... uh, so, yeah, and as Marta says, that's, you know, that's a lot of the litmus test of, is this thing going to work? It's just, how do you feel? Do you laugh? Do you cry? Do you get upset? Marta, what's your favorite moment from the finale? Have you seen it recently? You know, <clears throat> I, I, about two years ago, I forget, my husband and I were somewhere, and the finale was on. And I hadn't seen it in eight years. Um, and I got very emotional. I got. I was really moved by it, and I was sitting there thinking, "Am I moved because it actually worked, or am I moved because I feel so freaking old watching it?" <laughs> um, and I'm honestly, I'm not sure of the complete answer. But for me, my favorite moment is the very last one. Also, that's the moment. How about you guys? Well, I have to admit. The finale is not my favorite episode, and I don't think it's my favorite episode, not because it was a good episode, but because of what Marta said. There's a lot of mourning that happens when you leave your characters. And to watch it, um, and also, not just the, the characters, but you see the actors who have, as I said before, who have um, grown. Uh, you know, when, when you start a show, your actors will do anything for you. They're so thrilled to get the show. And then see the look of recognition. Uh, and they're eating peanut butter toast during a, a, a rehearsal. Right, exactly. And then, then as you end, they are all looking now at this job that they're so thrilled to have gotten. And they're all, I don't mean to take anything away from them, but it becomes their day job. And now they're looking for the movie roles they're doing and the others, the, the, the series are going to produce themselves because they can do it better, you know. Uh, and so there is that, that feeling when you watch the, the finale. But I will say my favorite moment is the very last moment because what it is, it's uh, Gail Harold who played Brian. Um, it was just him dancing alone. We don't know if this was a, a ba- Babylon was destroyed. Uh, we don't know if it, it really was or in his imagination, whatever. But he was very much the center of that show in terms of being this um, this character, this this gay male character that no one had ever seen before. Uh, you know, had he been a straight character, people would have called him a stud because he was gay. He was a slut. But um, he had this very masculine energy that I don't think that, and sexuality, never been seen before. And that was the, the final image. So that, was, that is in, tattooed on my brain. Um, I, I really can't watch the last episode and separate what I feel for the episode and the sense of loss that this very important part of my life is over and I'm never going to be with these people again and I'm never going to write about these people again and the reason Dan and I started writing series which was the last thing in our mind because we came from the theater and we came out to LA and we did um, a movie for TV that was very important to us and it started our career and we wound up doing 
series, which was never our intention. But I, I think we both loved it so much because, as I'm sure you guys know, when you write either a movie or a play, the curtain falls, the end, you're never going to be with those characters again. And you really mourn them. And you say, God, I wish it hadn't ended. I, I, you know, but with a series, you get to live with your characters and they don't die after two hours or they don't go away and so that was so much a part of doing the series being with them so it's very hard to even think of the last episode series, way, as sisters also sisters was very interesting dan wouldn't tell you this but um i remember we shot the last scene on the lot at warner brothers and that sound stage and everybody left and we're going where's where's dan and he is walking around that's Soundstage alone in the dark. He's he was the last person to leave. As he said, I was there. I turned off the lights, and, and I turned on the lights at the beginning six years before. And so, so yeah, he had his, his very private moment, which I've just revealed to everyone. But <laughs> I have to say, one of the other things I think about in those, when you're doing a finale, I remember this feeling when we did our last table read of. It's the last bagel I'm going to have with this group of people. Yeah. It's the last cup. That's the last carrot. Yeah. It's the last carrot. It's the last time we're going to bring in cheesesteaks. You know, there's a little bit of like, there, there are many, many lasts. But my favorite real moment while we were shooting was we had to shoot out the coffee shop. And as they were taking down the set... The crew, the cast, the producers, the writers, we all just sort of sat in that space as they were carrying things away. And it turned into this impromptu pizza and beer party, and then music started playing, and everybody was signing the set. Everybody like wanted to just say something, and that was actually my favorite moment because it was about us all coming together to experience this last piece. I we, we had a thing like that on Justified when everyone just started doing heroin and drinking bourbon. And it was, it was amazing. Now, our, our, you know, one, one thing I, I think that it's, it's hard about the finale is that, I mean, it's true for every episode. It's true for the pilot. I've, I've been looking. Someone found this um, collection of photographs that were taken during the Justified pilot. And uh, it's like, wow, look at, look at us then. But... Um, every episode is also a documentary of that time in your life. Mm. And so you know, especially if you're on set, oh, I remember that day. Yeah. I remember that take. I remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, yeah, that finale will be. But it was we didn't shoot that final scene last. Um, we shot other things last. We were on the what's called the Disney Ranch. And we had this amazing day. The sun was out. It was warm, but not too warm. Jacob Pitts, who had already rapped on the series, showed up with his guitar and was playing. And people were bringing extra food trucks in. And it was just this wonderful mm. day. Um, except that, uh, no, actually, it was, that was a previous day when Sam Elliott was walking around with a hole in his face. And that was really <laughs> disconcerting. Um, but it was just, you know, it was just this, this is a great way to end this thing. We had this idyllic day. That's great. I got to ask the flip side of the question. Is there something in rewatching your finale that you're like, oh, I wish I twisted just a little bit? I think in every episode always. that you watch, always. I, I agree with, with Graham. I, I watch these episodes and I, uh, and I say, I was behind the set there and I told that person not to wear that whatever piece of apparel and they did. And I was furious and I was, and I was so upset. And, you know, 10 years later you say, it doesn't matter, it didn't matter. How did I let that line stay in? Yeah, exactly. How did I let that happen? Exactly. All my children are perfect. <laughs> How about you? Um, honestly, there are some moments where, you know, everything is wonderful, and there's other moments where nothing but regrets. Mm -hmm. Every line, every performance, everything. Uh, it's just like, oh, God, we could have done that better. Um, but, you know, but, you know, if I can interrupt you, Grant, we have no, the knowledge, can't. as someone once said, and the audience does not have the knowledge, and they don't know. I mean, I, I've been asked by many people to look at something that they have problems with, and I don't see it. And they say, but don't you see no. this? No, because they have the knowledge of what... That, that's very true. It's sort of like when you go, if you've ever gone backstage after a performance to visit a friend who was in the play, or, you know, yeah. had they ever not said, oh, you should have been here last night? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like inevitable. Um, All right, but come on, you've also had the experience where you go backstage and you go, there's a lot of lines. 
You had a lot of lines. I was, wow, and the costumes are so pretty. I mean, the, both. Oh, oh that's, that's, if that's the performance. I've never seen anything like it. No. Yeah. If that's the performance you wanted to give, you certainly gave it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful script. Where, where do you think you're going to sell it? <laughs> I'm going to turn true. it over to fan questions in just a moment, but before I do, I want to ask um, the ultimate fan question is how much did fans sway your ending, if at all? Well, you know, it's very interesting. I wanted to bring it up. I'm glad glad you did. Because uh, when we were doing um, Sisters, there was no online at all. So that input wasn't there. But we started, when we did Queer as Folk, uh, people began to, in fact, the, the network even said uh, that the fans are writing in and they want this story. They want the character to go this direction. They want the story to do this. And as much as I appreciate the fans and the audiences, you know, I said, this is not a, not a, uh, uh, this is not the Red Cross. I mean, this is an artistic <laughs> endeavor. And we have, it's like, uh, you know, well, if Shakespeare lived, uh, Hamlet shouldn't die. Well, Hamlet does die. And we had to make certain decisions. But I think that, uh, I'm just wondering if that has affected you uh, at all? Uh, no, you. no, no. I don't listen to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. No, I'm serious. I, I listen to the inner circle, um, the writers, the director, Your the rabbi. cast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I shake his hand and go, "Thank you." Um, um, you know the the producers, the crew. I listen to the the, the inner circle, but there are too many voices out there that are crazy. No, truly. No. Crazy. They're crazy. And There's that guy in the back row. <laughs> <laughs> and they want what they want for their own personal agenda. My job is to do the show I think is good, that I would watch, that I would be proud of. So I don't listen to those people. How about you? You know, I mean, there's, there's been... When did Queer as Folk rap? Uh, 2005. 2005, 2008. Seven, so times have changed, but right. I haven't. So um, I don't really pay attention to it. But there are other writers in the room who would um, say, "Wow, the Twitterverse exploded when this happened," or yeah. people really like that. Yeah. And but you know, it's the same as do you listen to the reviews? Yeah. Well, that old saw: if you believe yeah. the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones, and ten good ones don't make up for one bad one. That's but right. whatever, we kind of I. Do a little. I, I know that you know um, our fifth season didn't get the greatest response in some circles, but I gravitate to the uh, critics who loved it, and them I agree with. Um, but you know there were certain things like uh, you know Raylan torn between Winona and Ava back in the first season, and I will say this: there was a certain thing that came up about Winona's character that people didn't like, and I did pay attention to that because we love Natalie, we love the character, and we felt okay that we're not doing a good enough job um, because we wanted that to be something to play with years down the road. So, to that extent, yes, but I'm not someone who um, you know follows the social media in that regard. And now, I have to say, you can't because listen, they they they're watching your show. They have they have to their trust. own shit, and and they have to trust. You know, you you've invested with us. We'll do a good job. Um, I do. I the one way we would listen to the audience is when we were shooting in London, and it was the first time when Monica and Chandler popped up out in bed. We had no idea what response that was going to get. We had to stop the show. People were screaming, and we kind of went, what? We thought it was just going to be, like, funny, and then we can get rid of it. And suddenly, the audience told us they've been waiting for that. And we had to rethink how we were going to keep going and how we were going to change the relationship. But that was not, like, a person. It was, it was an entire... Um, Immediate expression of joy. So you had to change the. Sh- yeah, you had a plan that they were going to be a fling, and you had to change the show accordingly. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, you know, listen, we <laughs> we just broke some news here, folks. Um, <laughs> Marta and I worked together a long time ago on a show that that she and David created that Norman Lear produced. And it was a half-hour comedy called The Powers That Be with mm. one of the greatest casts in, in, in history. I mean, Peter McNichol and, you know, it just went on down the line. It was fantastic. Uh, Holland Taylor, John Forsyth. We got to work with John Forsyth. We did. But, you know, the thing in half-hour was you go David out. David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. He had Beth the best, best 
uh, opening yeah. that any... I just, to share that nobody ever saw this, but it was great. The character was suicidal, so he's in his room, and he's using the curtain strings to make a noose, and he gets up on a chair, and he puts the noose around his neck, and he jumps off the chair, and the curtain's open. (laughs) His first thing on screen for that. I love that. That was fantastic. Ah, David. Uh, Whatever became of him. But anyway... um, But, you know, you go and you do a version of the scene, and, and, this, and, you know, the audience is either laughing or they're not, and we quickly huddle and say, can we punch up that line? And so there is that immediate response, especially right. in half hour. Yeah. You don't get to do that an hour long. That's right. You've got That's to sort exactly of just right. watch it in the editing room. And sometimes, if you're lucky, go back and fix it. Um, and sometimes now with the finale, no chance of that. Yeah. We can't go back and fix it. We've got to just do with what we. And, and you know, the the editing room is the final chance to tell your story, and it gets rewritten a lot in there, um, and and very often can make or break an episode. The two, the few that we were talking about before, I don't think what they talk about is the finale. They talk about the impact of the characters in the show, and that's what they carry forward, not literally the finale. But. The danger is that you're going to do a bad finale that they're still going to be talking about in 10 years. And I think that there is, there is two fears going on, which is, are we going to be lauded? Are we going to you know, um, give the audience what they want, and hopefully in a way that's unexpected and they feel satisfied? Or are we going to be something that is going to be um, roundly you know, dismissed and, um, and criticized? And there is, there is that fear lurking. You know? and so... For us, there was honestly a sense of relief at the end of Justified. I know it's been a while, but, um, you know, okay, we, we didn't blow it. Well, I also wanted to say that, you know, uh, whether it's been years or months, in Graham's case, uh, that joke keeps working, by the way, Graham. Um, uh, there's an objectivity now, uh, looking back. In our experience, at least in mine, you're very insulated when you're doing your show. There's the world. And there's the world that you're involved with in your show. And I don't think you ever think about um, this is going to have an impact. This is going to last. You know, it's going to be on DVD and people are going to watch it in the next 25 years. You're not thinking of any of that. You're just trying to be as honest as you can with the characters. And hopefully if you do that job as a writer and a producer, uh, it will have, it will have a, an afterlife after that. But I, I don't think in, in the course of uh, doing it you're thinking of, about that at all. At least we, we didn't. No, um um, first of all, for all of us, I would say thank you for being here because without the fans, we would have not had the opportunity to do what we all got to do and what we loved. So they're very dear to us. But having said that, <laughs> and not to be disrespectful, uh, you do have to listen to yourself. You have to be loyal to your show. You have to be true to your characters. And I think that has to come first. I don't think it's a good thing to write for somebody else because when you write for somebody else, that means that part of you is not being true to yourself. So the work you do is never going to be totally what you believe in, and I don't think it's ever going to be as good as it could be because part of you is basically trying to make somebody else happy, and that's the same with being in love, actually. If you're going to sacrifice who you are in order to get somebody to love you, then that's not really a very loving situation. So you have to say thank you, but you have to be true to yourself. That's very sweet. Grandma, are you going to start crying? No. (laughs) Weepy. I just wanted to to say that cultural impact is a very strange thing, and I think all three shows have had, obviously, had cultural impact, but it's nothing that you really think about. We're all fortunate that that, that's happened, but um, it's not something that you go into. I mean, when you began Justified or Friends or Queer as Folk, you never ever thought I have actually a question for fellow panelists that that I've been thinking of because we're coming to this panel and I was thinking that there are certain movies, films that we all love that had a happily ever after ending and they were wrapped up and tied up with a bow and other ones did not end that way and I was thinking of uh, Casablanca I was thinking of Gone with the Wind I was thinking of The Way We Were movies that we all love so much and that are such classics and in none of those movies did the two people get married and kiss at the end and go off into the sunset to live happily ever after and there have been plenty of movies that we've all seen where the last shot is the couple kissing the end so 
is there something about not having the people end up together that makes it sort of live longer in the audience's mind and in their hearts because part of you is wondering what happened next or imagining what happened next? I think it has more to do with film versus TV. You know, film, film is like a one-night stand. You go, you watch, it's over. And it, whatever that is stays with you. Um, you get married to a TV show. And, and, and it comes into your home, and it's intimate, and you do it for many years. Right. Um, so I think... That's a good point. I think the need for closure in a TV show is different because you've grown up with these people. Yeah. What do you think, Graham? Well, I, I mean, to add to your movies, I think that the ending of... Uh, I don't think there's any question, the greatest film ever made, Mad Max Fury Road, <laughs> um, which I've only seen twice. I've only seen twice, both in 3D. Seriously, I love that freaking movie. But they don't end up together at the end, and it is incredibly satisfying. And, and there is something about that. I think the one thing about that, and I agree with Marta that movies and TV are different, um, is but there there is that sense, um, and it also is a difference between a comedy and a drama. Um, is that it's a uh, it's a feeling with those bittersweet things of it sort of grounds it because we all know that life doesn't work out perfectly all the time. Mostly, most often it doesn't. But you give this little glimmer of hope, um, you know that it, okay, they're not all dead at least, you know. Okay. And and truthfully, I guess in some ways. They did break up because it was the end of an era for them. Mm. You know, in, in, mm-hmm. in it my show. It is bittersweet. Yeah. They're all moving on. They're not going to be it's hanging out. They're not going to be going. That, ca- that coffee shop, for all effect, uh, cafe, you know, is Central I Perk thought it was gone. very sad because yeah. I did see the ending of your show recently. It was very touching because they would never be together again in, in that way. apartment. And it was... And it was sad. An era that li- what you're saying that the friends or family but that that's, is over but with. But that but that's life. And they have to move on. They must move I'm on. Mar- Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. them all going out in the group hug. I oh, mean, that was it was great. it was it yeah. was heartbreaking, but it was wonderful. But, but that's the fear, right? That's the that's the guy with the whip behind you. Saying, I felt yeah. so bad for them. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's too, heartbreaking. Because- I mean, it's like, oh my god, that's you know, you you think you had it right. Oh, that's awful. Well, and and I and listen, I watched that show on and off, and I honestly didn't watch the finale. But I, it was, I believe, I understand, it was something that they had planned right from the beginning, and 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 that's okay. You know, it's just that sometimes the show changes, and that's not what people want in the end. It's that's tough, and I think of Seinfeld, and that is that fear of is somehow if you screw up the finale, it's going to slightly taint the memory of the whole show. Whereas if you do it well enough. Whew, they're not, they're not going to, you know, it's not going to hurt the, the I mean, There were some other very, very bad finales, and the shows live on. Well, that's an interesting point, um, which we were getting out a little bit earlier. Like, I wonder if it affects the bingeability of these shows, because if somebody's coming to the show fresh and they've heard rumblings that this finale is not very good, are they going to even bother? Are they going to go to a show um, um, like one of yours where they hear but it's terrific? But there are shows that are great, except for one episode. Of course they'll watch. All right, since this is a um, panel about finales, how should we end it? In a satisfying, compelling a, a cli- way. A, cl- a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, I vote definitely. for a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Um, oh, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Now leaving Nerdist.com.